0: Now it's time for Inspirational Women and my guest, Joanna Quinn, who is a former middle school teacher and whose passion for teaching is now in the form of Super Empowered One, which is dedicated to building confidence in kids and also in books, having just written Greta Grace. Books are such a great way to have so many important conversations. Let's have one with Joanna now. Joanna Quinn, good morning and thank you so greatly for being with us this morning.
1: Kate. It's nice to be here.
0: And I so appreciate uh, that we have this opportunity because your work, your work as a a middle school teacher, very important, then moving into doing work to help families, to help kids, and, and also as an author because you have this new book, Greta Grace, which again is a perfect way, I think, to reach not just the students themselves, but the parents and the teachers. So uh, with all this work, thank you for all that you're doing for all of us.
1: Oh, thank you.
0: So this uh, is a a really tough situation that we're living in these really challenging times of a pandemic. So everything is really in tumult. And yet the bullying continues because there's more ways to approach this. So it's so important that you're doing this work of addressing it and that you're here to help us uh, gain some insights and uh, help the kids along with parents and teachers deal with this.
1: Mhm. Yes, it's um, you know, bullying has been around and it's it's not going to go away. So that's why it's so so important um to not just have a um a, you know, Bully prevention—a bully prevention, prevention month—but actually, to make it a constant conversation and to teach empathy and kindness and different ways to handle it when when you see someone being bullied or you are being bullied, especially now with the you know the cyberbullying, there, there's a whole other element to it. So, there's many facets,
0: <laughs> and that almost even seems. Worse if that's possible, the cyberbullying because it's not really as obvious as when that was done person to person. and then that was somewhat limited to to spaces. Here with cyberbullying, yeah, it can happen 24 hours a day.
1: So true, Kate, because cyberbullying can fly under the radar pretty easily when it's done in such a way where you know think of the post, the pictures that get posted to make sure somebody knows that they weren't invited to something that all their friends were invited to, or different streams of text that flies through under the radar. So it is, it's hurtful and it's harmful, and often it's undetected.
0: And so this is the current reality. That is what we need to be more aware of. And I wasn't even thinking so much of seeing pictures posted and kids being on these uh, social media sites, so it, it would be easy to say, well, we're just not going to allow that, but that doesn't make it go away.
1: Right. It doesn't make it go away. Bullying, there's, if, if you can't do it on social media and you want to bully somebody, it still happens in schools all the time, in person, physically, you know.
0: So let's take a look at that happening and if it happens to be my child, as a parent, what might I be noticing and what should I look for?
1: Such a good question. So some of the red flags would be, has the child lost interest in school? Do they not want to go anymore? Are They saying they have a headache or a stomachache or they don't feel well and they shouldn't go. Do they no longer want to take a bus that they once took comfortably? Do they um, come home with, you know, torn clothes or damaged goods? Do they not want to join group activities? Do they comment that someone doesn't like them at school? These would all be red flags where a parent would stop and think, hmm, I wonder if something's going on here.
0: And the child, the student, might feel really reticent about sharing that because it's what uh, so deeply emotional, but also just the feeling that any other eyes on it or intervention would potentially make it worse?
1: True. And actually, even in Greta Grace, she doesn't say anything because she thinks that involving her mom is going to make the situation worse. So she tries for a length of time to handle it on her own until she can't. And that is so true. A lot of times, kids who are going through this either think that, A, bringing somebody in is going to make it worse, or... Sometimes they feel embarrassed or ashamed that they're the target. Why me? You know, so there's a lot of times where they'll just try to navigate their way through and not say anything, where the truth is, if if they would reach out to somebody, they could have a lot of help.
0: And let's look then at the other side of this. The, the child that is doing the bullying, how might a parent be aware of it? And, and do something about it as well.
1: Good. Also a good question. And the truth is, is I mean, most people do not want, to, want the awareness that their child may be a bully. But some of the signs to look out for and which are important to see are, do they tease in a nasty way? Do they show little empathy? Do they have a strong need to dominate or to use their power to threaten somebody? Oftentimes they also have little respect for adults. Do they rally kids to be on their side to, to to tease somebody? And and the good thing about that is if you are a parent who's looking out for that and you notice that in your child, what a great opportunity to take that power that they clearly have and teach them to use that in a positive way, in a way to lead in a good way instead of lead in a harmful, hurtful way.
0: Now that would that feels like the ideal to take those talents uh, and and really channel them in, in a more constructive way. But I I think to, I can't even remember what the movie was, but there be a child being bullied by someone in his class. And, and it was really that the bully was living in a shattered place that Mm -hmm. the parent would, would not have either recognized it or would have encouraged it. There are those sorts of situations that exist.
1: Right, and that's often why it's also not um, going to get you what you want by going to the parents of a bully, because not all the time, but sometimes they are the way they are because of the environments they're living in. This is how they see people treat each other, and this is how they see people get what they want, and this is how they see people maintain power. So to your point, that's exactly what happens sometimes, where it's the environment that
0: has made them the way they are. And I, I what we want in our world and we see it I think I feel more so now than ever is to really reach our younger generation who are the future and help to create th- these better compassionate relationships and situations so so things will be better but When you have that kind of a really caustic relationship going on in a family, uh, how do we even go about doing something?
1: That's why schools are so, so important for this and the awareness of teaching, of of how important teaching empathy is. By doing role-playing in classes or whenever you catch something, use it as a teaching moment to say, how do you think this would feel if you were in their shoes? Reading, Even just reading stories, you know, um, even, Greta Grace, how do you think Greta Grace felt when this happened to her? How would you have felt if this happened to you? And I think that's why it is so, so important. It's, it's teaching empathy. It's teaching kindness. It's, it's creating a community where they all feel like they are looking out for each other rather than who can be on top. It's also looking out for you know, gateway behaviors, is there name-calling going on, is there eye-rolling, and addressing it and just giving giving another option. What would have been a better way if you didn't like that? What would have been a better way to say that without putting somebody down, without disempowering somebody?
0: And, yes, stories, using Hmm. this in classes and having the opportunity of, you're having written Greta Grace using this where it might feel maybe less personal in a way that you could kind of put it outside yourself and learn these lessons and, and discuss it. And, and, you know, hopefully those ideas will begin to trickle inside and and create change.
1: Absolutely. And also then it's a story. So even if it's going on, if say say you are the bully and you hear this story, it's not personal. It's not anybody attacking you, but it is food for thought. Mm-hmm. Hmm, I kind of do that. Is that I wonder if that's really how that person feels. So I think it's a really good opportunity to um, take note of what's going on.
0: Yes, because probably feeling cornered or having that kind of focus makes someone, a person, more defensive and digging in their heels, even if they might not want to stay in that place.
1: Absolutely. I agree,
0: 100%. So so this is a great thing, using stories, even if it's not happening in the classroom, to bring it home and to have these discussions and, and maybe having our own kids feel more empowered by this.
1: Right. And also... I always felt like when, when, you know, my kids had a group of kids at, you know, home, I feel like kids are more, much more willing to speak when they have friends around because everybody kind of joins in. So it's a really great opportunity, as you just said, to have a conversation at home. Is there anybody in school who gets bullied? How do you think they feel? What would you do if you saw a bully? And generate that conversation so should they ever encounter it, they're equipped.
0: Is there a difference between parents and teachers intervening, or is the balance very similar but different?
1: In my opinion, I think it's it's both ends is helpful. I think a parent can just determine their role, whether, you know, based on the temperament of their child and the maturity level and the, the factors in the situation, they can then determine whether they want an assertive role, Or a supportive role. Are they going to coach from the sidelines or are they going to take it it on and go to personnel and teachers and guidance counselors? Um, Teachers, on the other hand, and school personnel are great because they have a pulse on what's going on during the school day. And they have the opportunity to keep their eyes open and ears open to see if there's anything amiss or anything that they really need to uh, keep their attention on.
0: And in either case, teachers or parents intervening—is it, if you notice something, is it best to say something or just see what might evolve?
1: I. This is my personal opinion. I think it's best to question it because often a kid isn't going to come to you until it's to the point where they can't handle it. So, if, if something looks off hey, are you okay? Is there something going on around, you know, is there something going on you want to talk about? At least they know that you've you've opened up the communication line and that you are there and you're ready and willing to talk with them should they want to.
0: And potentially then that puts everyone, you know, on guard or made aware, like, okay, we're not doing this in such secret as we thought. This is really apparent to some people so they might rethink their their actions.
1: Absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I and I also think as a side note, I think it's also really really important to make sure that the child that is being bullied knows that this is not about them. This doesn't a bully's intention is to make someone feel less than who they who they really are. It's to it's to show their power, it's to claim their status, whatever the case may be. So the, the the person, the victim or the person being targeted may feel really disempowered after that. Well, who wouldn't, right? Yes. So I think it's just so important to let these kids know, like, there is nothing wrong with you. This is not about you. This is somebody who chose to target you for reasons of their own. You were amazing. You are amazing. You will always be amazing. And this doesn't change or alter anything about you. I just think it's so important to realize that it doesn't... Create a narrative in their mind that they can't get out of. You know what I'm saying?
0: Yes, yes, absolutely. Uh, and that that makes such great sense. As a, a middle schooler, there's mm-hmm. probably a big question mark and uh, a saying like "Duh, really? No, that's not how I feel." I can I can see that occurring, but I think deep inside. Uh, that there is that knowing, and it just means peeling away layers to get to that. So the repetition of the value of this person and how someone is feeling insecure, and that's why they're acting out as they do.
1: Right. Exactly. Yeah. A lot of times a bully is acting out because of their own insecurities, or sometimes they actually are very confident kids who are are claiming their status or making manipulating status to make sure they stay on top, whatever the case may be. But... I do think especially in middle school because, I mean, we all know that's such, that's such a vulnerable age. Half of them have want a teddy bear in one hand and a boyfriend or girlfriend in the other hand. So it's a really, it's an age where they can really, I feel like their minds can be really influenced. And so we don't want them ending up thinking that they are less than who they are, which is exactly what the bully wanted them to think. We want them To feel empowered and realize yes this happened it has nothing to do with the value of me and that I can be wrong about what this bully wants me to believe and 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 again with repetition and and the willingness to be wrong about what you're believing we can get them to the other side
0: so as a middle school teacher did you get involved in these kinds of situations during that time?
1: Um, well, it was, I haven't been a middle school teacher for a number of years, but I actually was in um, a school not that long ago, and the teacher was not in the room. I was um, helping out. And I actually witnessed this conversation. It was the whole class, and this l- little boy, you know, stood up, and he he said, well, it's a good thing so-and-so wasn't on our team and I, and I was like, oh, my gosh, he was completely humiliating this, this boy in front of the entire class, and, and we stopped. And I was like, whoa, we need to talk here because how do you – and we had that whole conversation. How do you think that makes him feel? And also for them to know, like, you get to decide every single day. Who are you going to show up as? Are you going to show up as a kind kid who treats people well and is respected, or are you going to show up as a kid who, yes – People respect you, but because they're afraid of you. Who who do you want to be? How do you want to show up every day? And that's something that they need to learn and know that that's how, that's what you need to know. That's what you need to decide for yourself every single day.
0: And that's a a great situation. Thank you for sharing that with us, Joanna. So how, how did that then transpire? Was there reaction from that young boy from the rest of the class?
1: It was actually, it turned into a group conversation, so it was really, really beneficial. And at the end of it, I think everybody was on the same page. I felt like everybody, they saw themselves as a group and not as individuals, and they realized how hurtful that might be for somebody to say something like that. So I think it was empowering. It felt, to me, it felt empowering to everybody, and I felt like I I certainly would never, like, call that, Bully out in front of the entire class and humiliate him because why how can you humiliate somebody if you're asking them not to humiliate somebody else so it was a conversation but it was heard
0: yes w- which really is the ideal way to approach this uh, is to ask questions engage and 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 talk about kindness and feelings these are perhaps not words they the kids hear often enough and by demonstrating it in the context of this is our real life experience, this is what's going on, I I, ima- I can see that this could be uh, an experience that would really live in them f- forever, essentially, that it'll, it can be a turning point.
1: I agree. And I really agree that you're right. They need to see kindness and generosity and empathy, all of those things demonstrated in front of them because... That, then that becomes that becomes the goal, not how good you can look or how popular you can be or any of that. And I feel like calling out that good behavior when you do see somebody do it, like, that was so kind of you. Or, like, what a really kind way to handle that. Or that was so nice of you to go and do that project with him when you realized he, he had no one to work Calling out those really good things is is very motivating. And I think once they start to feel really good about being called out on the good stuff, they strive to do the better, the better. They strive to be better and do better.
0: And I think that that also makes us aware of how it's important to really intervene, maybe not in 100% of cases, but in many cases like here, intervene at at the moment it happens because it is a a great lesson, a great teaching moment. Mm
1: -hmm. I was just going to say that. I was just going to say, yes, that's a great teaching moment, and it won't be forgotten because it's in the moment.
0: Mm -hmm. It's not
1: after the fact. It's not after everybody's walked away and forgotten about it. It's in the moment. Everybody's seeing it, living it, and it's a beautiful moment to teach.
0: And and it is almost... In the same vein as a story, because everyone is getting to experience it without anyone being yelled at or said, oh, you're a horrible person. Right. How could you do that? No, it's getting them to think about it and think about empathy. You know, how do you feel? How does that person feel? I I, I think this demonstrates the kinds of things that we want to see happening more, both at home and in classrooms, as, as opportunities to learn.
1: Absolutely. I 100% agree. And I feel like, you know, we they also have to know that, like, nobody's perfect. Everybody's going to make mistakes. And when you know better, you do better, right? Mm-hmm. I I think it was Maya Angelou who said that, but I could be wrong about that. But I love that quote, when you know better, you do better. So if you said something that was unkind or you did something that was unkind, how do you make that better, and then how do you do better the next time? So then they're they're not a bad person either for not being the most upstanding citizen if they can, you know, own it and then do better. Right.
0: Yes, and, and they, that's why, why they're in school, for one. But the age that they are, it's all about really drawing in on life and learning. We Obviously, we're learning. We didn't come here full of this knowledge. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and some of us are much, much older and needing to learn these lessons. But every time, hopefully, we learn it at, uh, at a higher kind of level, learn mm-hmm. it more deeply,
1: I agree, I, and we're all on different paths. We're all on different levels, but this this age group is—they're prime. They're primed to fill their minds with with empowering thoughts and empowering beliefs and empowering ways to treat themselves and each other. It's just such a—it's just such a—an age that is so—it's so important to catch them at this age. And again. Some people, there's some things that people don't learn till way into adulthood, and that's fine, too. But if they have the opportunity to even hear it, even if they're not ready to live it, I think that's a blessing to them.
0: Without question. And when you say sometimes we don't learn it into adulthood, um, maybe it's because those situations... Uh, occurred but no one really took advantage of making them that teaching moment and and learning from it so i uh, bless all teachers because and parents too of course <laughs> is being aware of and in the moment to take advantage of that to uh, to do something with it and and help our kiddos
1: along i agree i agree kate And so
0: taking all the experiences that you have, of course, you've uh, translated that into being an author and providing us with a great story, Greta Grace, which, again, is wonderful for parents to pick up, for schools to use in in terms of sharing uh, information and and teaching moments. But you also are the founder of Super Empowered One. Mm -hmm. And so tell us uh, your experience with this and and how things are going.
1: So Super empowered One is, is, is it's for middle school, high school, any, and adults, parents. Because in order to teach your kids this, you have to know it as a parent. And it's just really teaching about the power of their minds. Do you realize how important your thoughts and your feelings are and that they have energy and that they vibrate and they bring, draw certain things to you? Do you know how important your intentions are? Um, again, what kind of day will you choose? What kind of person do you want to show up as? Looking at all of those things. Again, looking at limiting beliefs. You know, there's always those two voices in our head, the one that's going to empower us and the one that's going to disempower us, and which one are they going to listen to? And what are you going to do when that voice shows up that tells you you're not smart enough, you're not good enough, you're not pretty enough? How do you put those around so that you're not living in, with that voice that's constantly at you? A couple of other things is happiness is not going to show up because you get an A in that class or you end up getting into the college you want or, you know, you get that boyfriend or that girlfriend. They have to know that happiness can't always be out there because it's right here, right now within them. And that's a really, really important thing that, honestly, a lot of adults don't know that. So I feel like if they could even just get a nugget of that and realize how that mindset and how being grateful for our li- for what is in our lives just brings so many more beautiful things into our life.
0: And that, we know, is a very fundamental piece of life and learning is being grateful and having mm-hmm. gratitude.
1: Absolutely. And absolutely. And it's not just being grateful because you get what you want, it's grateful because you know, there's a beautiful sun shining, or you're at a beautiful beach. It doesn't have to be getting things. It's just, it can be just things that warm your heart.
0: Right. And don't you feel that, you know, as we're going through all this change, that it is going to be so even more beneficial for all of us, and especially for young kids growing up, to see the beauty and the grat- having gratitude for the simple things for the natural things around us.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Even the the you know the brother that you fight with who's sitting at the table with you. If you stop and you think you're like, "Oh, actually I'm really grateful for him," you know? <laughs> or like the dog that you have to get up and feed or take for a walk, but you love this dog. So, I agree. And the more we know, right? The more you're grateful for the more you get to be grateful for. <laughs> the more you're blessed with because Gratitude brings brings more beautiful things into your life.
0: And we know the children can teach us. So as as this is shared with them in classrooms and at home, but it then it's shared more with the adults, it begins to, I think, also have a teaching effect, a teaching moment.
1: Absolutely, yes. Because then it becomes a way of life rather than a lesson. Hmm. And I think that's, when, when this can become something they get used to and it just becomes part of their way of being, then we have transformation.
0: And we know that is really what's there on the horizon for us, and perhaps why we have all the struggle that, that we're going through because we know that change needs to be taking place.
1: Right, and something good comes out of something good always comes out of change, right? (laughs) Yes,
0: yes. Ultimately, it does, and Mm -hmm. and that's where we maintain that focus. And so here it starts, um, obviously, with each individual. It starts with the children and helping them to to see things in a different light and uh, using stories. So, Greta Grace, again, the book that you've written uh, is such a great tool if you will, but a great way to really talk about some of these life issues and help ourselves as we help our kids along.
1: Thank you. Absolutely. And yes, in in Greta Grace, she has some elderly people in her life with lots of wisdom who instill some of these ideas. They're threaded through the story to instill in her mind, expect good things or Be willing to see things differently so that that those themes are threaded through without actually preaching about it, because we know kids don't listen to preaching usually.
0: (laughs) Nor do some adults. Exactly, exactly. (laughs) So a great way to learn through books and stories. So, Joanna Quinn, it's just been wonderful to have a conversation about this very critical part of our life. Uh, For people who want to know more, let's share your website.
1: Thank you. And it's been such a pleasure being here. So thank you. JoannaQuinn.com is uh, for Greta Grace. And then there's superempowered as well.
0: Exactly. Well, again, many thanks and continue doing this wonderful and important work you're doing for all of us.
1: Thank you so much.
0: That brings us to the end of a very full hour of Inspirational Women with Joanna Quinn and Sunday Morning Magazine with Anna Gottlieb and Rindy Snyder. Find the podcast on our Warm 106.9 webpage. Just click on the podcast tab, then either of the show names, and then look for the guest names. I now wish you and your family a day of gratitude for life and health and each other. Have a week of the same, and then please plan to join me again next weekend for another hour of Sunday Morning Magazine and Inspirational Women on Warm 106.9. Good morning.